This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, Kyle and I have... Mr. Mike Fusco from San Diego, California. What's going on, Mike? What's up, Dave? How are you, man? What's up, I'm Kyle? good. I'm good. We were talking right before we started going live about COVID and how that has or has not affected either of our businesses. And it looks like the two of us may be COVID-proof. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe as much as possible. Uh, I think you're a little better than me, but you know we're uh, we're 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 still growing. Our, our month of our month is looking good. Our, our, we're trending in the right direction in terms of our annual revenue. Listen, man, if, if you can grow over last year, that's a bonus for all of us right now. I think um, Big time. it's just been, it's just been crazy. It's not like I expected to have things shut down and they have for all practical purposes. What I love about it is I can get to wherever I'm going much faster. There's no traffic on the roads like there was you know, but I'm also. Dude, you should check out the traffic over the Chick Fil A line right about now. Chick Fil A should be responsible for COVID testing. I've been on record for this multiple times. I had to go to Tijuana. They're Flat. killing it. They're killing it. Yeah, the traffic. The traffic is nice. I got to say, man. It's. I mean, I haven't sat in traffic in, in four months. Yeah, it. You know, it. It's quiet. I've gotten a lot done. Yeah, I think if anything, it's forced us to slow down a little bit and focus on other aspects of the business we otherwise don't have time to focus on. Right. At least Absolutely. in my opinion, I'm, I'm running 90, 90 to nothing most of the time. And so to be able to just sit back and just even make out lists of things that I would like to fix if I could, it has been good for me. So listen, why don't you start by telling everybody a little bit about you, give them the, give them the, the elevator pitch of who you are, where you came from and how you got into insurance. And then we'll sort of take it from there. Yeah, for sure, man. So my, I'm Mike. I, uh, I'm, I'm from the East Coast. I'm, I was, I was born in Boston, raised in New Jersey. My parents are New Yorkers. Uh, you know, grew up there. Went to, I went to college at the University of Maryland, right outside Washington D.C. Let's go Terps. And, uh, you know, had a good time. Didn't study much, but somehow got a, uh, graduated in four years. Uh, a lot of partying, obviously, but uh, had a lot of friends there. And, you know, right after oh, – I'm sorry, Kyle. What was that? 
I said, sounds familiar. Yeah, you did better than I did. If you got out in four years, I should have a double doctorate. <laughs> I don't know how I did it, man. My dad doesn't know how I did it. No one knows. But I got out in four years and then uh, moved out to San Diego about three weeks after I graduated with a bunch of buddies. We moved to the beach. I had zero plans for work. I had no car. I had a suitcase. Uh, I got a job at the local deli down at the beach, worked about four months, bought a car, and uh, found a, I found a job with Geico, man. That's where I started, the, the, the really? evil Geico, the evil lizard. That's interesting, man. I, didn't know, I did not know that about you. Yeah, man. I, I actually um, – so I was real – I was young. I mean I was 23 years old when I started with them. You were like the West Coast version of Jason Kilgo minus the beard. Kilgo, yeah, I know Kilgo's a Geico guy too. I got I don't think I could ever grow a beard like him, but it's pretty impressive. But uh yeah, so I was at the West Coast. We have a West Coast Regional Center here. There's about 4,000 people. Uh I was an agent for a year on the phones. Then I kind of went through their supervisor program, became a sales supervisor. I uh couldn't deal with the call center environment and so I went to an independent agency here in San Diego that was strictly construction. 100% construction ENS. That's all we did. That sounds like a barrel of monkeys. It sounds it was so fun. It was insane. It was every man for himself. Uh strictly commission. You know, it was you know, you you found your own leads, you found your own ways to market. Uh you built your own book of business. And it was you made your own you made your own living at that place, man. I was it was crazy. But it taught me a lot, taught me a lot about the industry, uh, taught me a lot about construction markets. I, I have a lot of great clients, even from that day, from those days. I was there for five years. Um, what was, so, yeah. What was the biggest thing you learned in, in your five years there? What was your biggest takeaway? You know, I learned how to gain and retain. I mean, I when you work strictly on commission, you know, you you need to learn how to retain your customers, keep them happy. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned a lot about the policy forms I was selling. You know, I kind of got you. I got thrown into it, where I didn't know a single thing about an ENS policy before I got there. I thought for sure you were going to say the number one thing you learned was minimum earned premium. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, learned a lot about that too, man. That chargeback, uh -huh. good God! I mean, when you talk about that much ENS business, it just yeah. makes my toes curl. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, the chargebacks, you know, and, you know, we were a heavy fee-based agency. You know, when you're making uh, 40% of the commission and the fee, you know, you 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 were charge, you know, you were charging. I mean, I was charging $300 fees minimum on every policy I sold because I knew that that was fully earned and, and no one was getting a refund on the fee. So you know, it's interesting, man, because we don't have that option. I think they've made some some changes mm -hmm. in Florida, but I don't do enough ENS business to really pay attention to it as much. Um, but in Florida, it always had been that you could only take commission or have a fee, one or the other. You couldn't do both. And I, it always intrigues me when the, there are people from other states where you can do both. And you know, when I look at the shops that do a lot of substandard auto, that's the one thing that always sticks out to me, right, is – how are you making money doing this? Well, it's because they're all charging a fee, you know, an administrative fee or whatever. So 
the same person cancels four times a year and their fees 200 bucks they make 800 bucks in revenue just by handling it every time i actually came up with something similar um for those accounts that we put into employee leasing right so for leasing one of the biggest issues that you have is you go through all the time and energy and paperwork to put somebody into a leasing company and then you find out Typically, it's construction, which is this is why I don't like to do a lot of construction. But typically, it's a, sh- a shady construction contractor down here, and you know they get their certificate and they're done. So what I started doing was just say, I charge a five hundred dollars setup fee for any PEO account that we place. So even worst case scenario, I still make five hundred bucks. How bad do you yep. want your certificate? You know, mm-hmm. and so that that helps preserve some of that. But that's cool that you're able to do fee plus out there because uh, that certainly would make it a whole lot easier to stomach the headaches of excess and surplus lines. Seriously. Yeah, man. I mean, it's California. You can do that. You know, unfortunately the agency I was at, there was not a great structure in terms of, you know, what forms we were using, what DOI uh, disclosures we had. Uh, but, you know, since I started this agency in 2010, we kind of totally changed the way we disclose fees here in California. And, uh, you know, we have zero complaints about, I look at it this way. If a customer doesn't want to pay us for our services, then they don't need to be our customer. You know, we put the fee right in front of them. They know exactly how much they're paying us for their services. Sometimes I think they even value the services more when they know what they're paying us on an annual basis. But so it's a big part. Are you, are you still in that construction industry? Is that, is that a big focus for you? I'd say now it's probably about. 40, 35 to 40% of our commercial book. You know, we got caught up. I was at the agency that was strictly construction. I was there in 2008, 2009. Nice. So I I learned the perils of, of not being diversified. Um, and I told, I told the owner, I said, look, man, you know, I, I got there in 2004. I said, this is great and all, but we need to diversify. We need to get into other businesses, other industries. And he, he didn't want to hear anything about it. Oh, I got so, that big fancy degree from Maryland. You're coming in here giving me advice on my agency, right? Yeah, college he didn't want boy. to hear it, man. Fancy, he was, fancy college boy. Exactly. He was crushing it over there, and he didn't want to hear from me. But, you know, he went from 26 agents to I think he has four or five now. Dude. Uh, so his agency is in, in the tanks. But, yeah, I, I saw the writing on the wall, and, and when I left, I really wanted to diversify the book. You know, within commercial lines, not just the products, because he was writing a lot of GL, but also other industries. And, and we've been successful in doing that, which makes me proud, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you should be ecstatic. You're 10 years in business this year, right? So this is your 10th anniversary. 10 long years, man. It should be a blowout. That's like 100 <laughs> years in normal people's life. <laughs> hey, so oh, here's my question. I know that you're you guys use Zywave. And I know yeah. that you have figured out a way to monetize how you handle MyWave Connect or a client portal, whatever they call it these days, right? Yep. Is that factored into the fee that you're talking about with the placement of the policy, or is that a separate line item that you bill for? Talk a little bit about your strategy around that, because I think it's intriguing that you're actually turning that into a revenue center as opposed to an expense line on your uh, income statement. Yeah, man. I mean, we, uh, it's separate. First of all, it's, it's, 
we we charge for it separate. You know, sometimes we'll it depends on the use case. You know, we could we could use it as a loss leader, I like to call it. Uh if if there's a large account that you know we're coming in on and we're trying to find ways to differentiate ourselves by offering risk management services or even if it's a document or two, you know, uh, you know, on a work comp policy, hey man, you know, they ask for a written safety manual. Do you have a written safety manual? No. Okay, let me create one for you. Uh, let me apply a disc. You know, we'll be able to get you some discounts on your work comp for this safety manual that I'm building here for you. I'm not going to charge you for it, but I just want to let you know that this is something that we offer as ongoing services to our clients. But it it depends. I mean, we on the employee benefit side, we do charge uh, for the pop plans and the ERISA wrap docs. You know, I have an employee benefits guy that every and it's great because every year people come up. You need to have a pop plan, and you need to have an ERISA doc in your in your office if you're offering employee benefits. And you'll find, I mean, you know, attorneys charge pretty good money to create one of those things, and, and really they're all templated. You know, it's just it's really just a, a document that you can. Yeah, five hundred bucks, right? When you like five hundred bucks, I don't know that I've ever gotten an attorney to draft anything less than five hundred dollars. Exactly, exactly. So we we create those, we renew them every year for people, but we charge for it. Uh, My way of connect, we've charged as much as thirteen hundred dollars a year for people having uh, access to the portal. You know, and again, here's my take on this, and people might think I'm crazy, but. People will use it more when they pay for it. I, I, you know what? I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I, I will be the last person to argue that. People use it more when you give it to them for free. There's not, there's not as much value to them as when they pay for it. And I've told customers that I've had for 10, 15 years. I said, look, man, I could sign you up on this thing for free, but you're going to pay 500 bucks a year. Just subscribe for this portal and you're going to find it to be, you're going to think about it. You're going to have it as part of your business. You're going to train your employees how to use it. You're going to bring in HR people. They're going to go on there and pull all these different safety manuals and safety plans. And you're going to use it more because you paid 500 bucks for it. And they do. It's insane. You give it to them for free. They shrug it off like it's like it's a piece of shit, you know? Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's no different. Like those. Even with like killing commercial, the training program that I I have for commercial agents out there, I tell every single agency that I talk to about coming in, I'm not a cheap date. There has to be a pain point. If there's not a pain point, there's no value to what I'm doing and no motivation for you to execute on any of that stuff. Now, there's a difference between having a pain point and having something punitive right? You can't make it punitive, but it can be a pain point. And so I say that because I see it in real time. Literally everybody in the program utilizes the program. They log in, I get inactive user reports. I know, you know, that they are, but if I were to allow them in at half the price, now I'm operating in the expendable income window and something else will come up. Right. And so I think it's interesting it's something we haven't done, but I could see us. I could see us doing at some point. I've always just used it as an oh by the way, right? Because to me, we're going after middle market commercial stuff. So on average, it's 
quarter million, half million dollars in premium that you're going after, I'd have a tough time swallowing the pill of saying, by the way, I need an extra 500 bucks a year for this. But if you're paying 10,000 a year in premium, and this is something that I feel like would benefit you, I would do that all day, every day. I think it, it would make sense, especially the small businesses are the ones that are less sophisticated and need the access to the portal anyhow. You're really having them pay you to run their business the right way. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I look at it. Absolutely, man. And again, I mean, it's we look at it on a current plan. We don't, I'm not going to say we charge every client to be on the portal. I mean, you know, we, when we have clients paying us three, 400,000 a year in premiums and, you know, the revenues generating whatever it is, you know, 40, 50 grand a year, we're not going to charge. I mean, it just seems so minuscule. Right. That's, but, that's my, that's why I would have yeah. a problem doing that across the majority of my book. But I, I, I do think it's a way, you know, look, I'm looking at it this way. I just got my renewal from Zywave. Not happy about it. Exactly. It's expensive, man. My renewal at all. Um, and so I'm thinking maybe I need to start charging for the portal and that'll offset the increase in the renewal. Or if it's adopted enough, maybe it ends up being the kind of thing where it pays for the whole thing, you know? And then I also, that, and, and I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I'm literally thinking this in real time, but then I'm like, well, I could run this thing and I could charge them 500 for the year, but if they don't want to put the 500 into it, I could put it on re- recurring billing for 49 a month and get 600 a year for carrying the cost of it. So exactly. there's so many ways you can you can use it. Uh and it's it's not, you know, we even have we have like a menu of of services. I mean, you can do it a la carte where if somebody wanted if they needed just a driver safety plan or a distracted driving plan. I mean, there's so many resources in that portal. And man, it's expensive. I mean, I don't know where you're paying for it, but I mean, I, my out-of-pocket on average is probably 20 grand a year for Zywave. You know, and we want to find ways to recoup some of that and we want to generate revenue from it. And if you look at some of the big shops, I mean, you know, a lot of them have risk management services as part of their, as part of their uh, offering. And they're not giving it away for free. You know, they're finding ways to, to generate revenue by, by providing risk management. And that's really what it is. I mean, it's risk management, it's compliance, it's, it's, and who knows? I mean, for a smaller business, you might be able to replace a body internally, right? Uh, by using, by, by signing them up for Tidewave, you know, you, you might be able to cut their labor expense, who knows? But uh, I just find that the people that pay for it use it more to their benefit because they, they see it as an expense and they want to be able to get their money's worth. And I think as agents, just in general, insurance agents need to feel less guilty about charging clients for value-added services. You know, uh, Look, I, I agree with you completely. Here's the problem, right? So many people focus on the product and not solving the problem. You know, they want to they they want to sell on value, but they always revert back to price. And that's because right. they're not committed, right? Somebody made the comment to me, I don't remember who it was, but somebody had made the comment to me a couple of weeks ago that a lot of agents out there just don't even believe in the own value proposition that they're selling if they have one, right? If you commit to it and you really develop your sales approach in your agency model around value and not price, it's plain as day how to do it, right? I've never been 
I, I, in fact, I joke about it when I'm talking with a, a prospect. And they say, well, how much is this going to cost? My standard answer is one of my favorite things to discuss is my personal compensation. You know, I want them to know what I'm getting paid. I want them to know how much it is because I earn it. Like we give them results. If I'm bringing $500,000 back into your organization, are you really going to gripe that I'm making 60,000 as an agency in revenue for that? No, not at all. I better have made the Christmas card list, you know, at least then get a pat on the back at the end of the year in addition. But, you know, I think that's another, what I would tell you is I think it's pretty innovative that you've actually put this in place and you've executed. How long, how long have you been doing that? This is going to be, he's listening to this. I think producers and agencies listening to this are all struggling with the same thing, right? They want to sell on value. They want to sell on value. They feel like they bring a lot to the table, but you know, they don't, they don't know how to do that or they're right. just afraid to, or they're always going to fall back on the commission. And so, you know, my thing is, so you grow a set of nuts and you look somebody in the eye and say, it's going to cost you $250 an hour to hire me or $400 an hour or 500 an hour or whatever it is. Don't gripe about it. Because if you, if you show somebody that that's what you cost and you back that up, you should never have a problem asking for that. I'm pretty sure the most expensive attorneys in town may or may not even discuss their hourly rate. People go to them based on reputation and know how much money having that good attorney is going to save them. No different than risk insurance and risk manage, risk management advice. And guess what? Ever notice how people call their insurance agent before they'll call their attorney? Even yeah. In situ- even in situations where they know they should probably have called their attorney? I mean, because they don't want, they know that every time the attorney picks up the phone, they're going to, the bill starts, the the clock starts ticking. So, you know, why can't as insurance agents, I don't understand. Like I, we kind of, we shoot ourselves in the foot as as an industry because we're professionals. We're, we, we, we're just like a CPA. We're just like an attorney. We bring a, a value proposition that people need to have. And, you know, we're not, we might not be a fit for everybody. But why are we so afraid to charge what we deserve to charge? I mean, why, you know, I I have no problem sticking a disclosure form in front of people and having them initial right next to my $3,000 broker fee or my mm. or my $1,500 broker fee or my $400 broker fee on a minimum premium policy. Because guess what? Yeah, you might not be generating a lot of premium, but you're going to cause me a lot of certificates. You're going to, you want my service department to step up every time you need to be on a job the next day. I'm going to charge you for it. If you don't like it, go down the street. You know, a call next insurance. I mean, we need to, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot as an industry. We need to know who, who we are and who our competition is. And that maybe we're not a fit for every client. You know, we don't have to earn every customer. But they need to know who we are and what we're charging. And they need to know what they're going to pay us and that we're not going to falter on that. I mean, that's, that's what we do. But yeah, Dave, as you say, man, I mean, don't be afraid. People can't be, our 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 colleagues can't be afraid to look people in the eye and say, Hey, this is what I do for you. And this is why I charge for it. And you don't have to pay me, but I'm not going to write your policy and I'm not going to be here when the phone rings and my service department's not going to be ready to uh, issue certs or, or handle your endorsement or help you file your claim. Yeah. Right? I think, until we, I think until we make a stand as an industry that we're not going to settle for anything less than what we, what we're worth, that'll never get fixed. Never. It's up to us. Nobody can fix it but us. Right. Nobody. And I just brought another value added service 
another rev revenue generator that I think you need to know about and everyone else that we uh, that we speak with. And it's it's called Trust Layer. It's an excellent product. And what it does is it's, it's basically an AI system that enables us to manage certificates, subcontractor certificates for our general contractors. Uh, and that's another thing I'm charging for. Hey, you know, as a GC, you don't have enough time. You don't want to hire an office person. You don't want to collect certs. You don't want to collect AIs. You don't want to make sure everything meets the right needs of your insurance provider. Well, there's a solution for that too. So we just need to start looking at different ways. And why should we spend the money and give it to the customer and then not have to pay for it? That's like Zywave, you know? Yeah, I agree. So let me ask you this, a couple questions. Number one, with this new product that you've rolled out, you know, my thoughts are they're going to have to go to like a registry monitoring service or something like that. Anyhow, I imagine that your price point is so efficient. It'd be crazy not for them, for them not to engage and have you do that for them. Yeah. I mean, so if, if you're, if you're a GC, an advertised GC, you're, you have about 50 to, is it 25, 25 to 50 additional insureds, meaning you have that many subcontractors you work with on an annual basis. It's going to cost you 300 bucks a month for us to manage it for you. I mean, that's peanuts. If, you know, these people, GCs need to, I think our industry and GCs need to realize is that their policies warrant and condition that they collect subcontractor agreements. They collect additional names insurers. They collect certificates to meet certain criteria or their policy is not going to cover them if they get sued for a loss caused by their sub. Well, they've listened, so, man, they've taken it to such a level now. And I've seen this on, we don't do a ton of construction here, but I've seen it on the last several. It's a freaking exclusion on the policy. I mean, it's not even just in coverage language. God forbid the insurance industry read the actual policy to know what's in there. Exactly. We've made it extremely easy for you, and we've now put it as an exclusion that clearly says we will not cover uninsured subcontractors, period, end of story. Now, some companies like auto owners that we have here – you have the ability to do some level of buyback. Uh, right. Of or it's like a higher deductible, right? Or a sublimit. You know? But, yeah. you know, it, it, the first time I saw that, I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is getting serious at this point. They've actually got, you know, filed exclusion forms now for for uninsured subs. And I mean, look, you know it. I know it. Anybody that's ever dealt with contractor before understands that's where they that's where they try and pull the wool over your eyes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's the cash job. We've seen it down here in Florida with your PEOs, right? So a lot of the time you'll get these artisan contractors that are subs on a home building project or whatever else. Maybe it's the drywall guys. They go into an, a, a PEO and all of a sudden four guys don't show up for work. So they need to get two guys to call their brother-in-law to even hope they can get partially through the day. Those guys never get run through the application process. They're never approved by the PEO to be on payrolls. They're getting paid cash under the table. So they're not on the comp. Well, the Florida Department of Financial Services has started showing up and auditing these places. And these guys are getting hammered with stop work orders because of the day laborers that they have on their job site that have no coverage is a result of it. So yep. it's crazy, you know, man. I, and I say all that because you get a stop work order because you're not doing things right, or you don't have things in the right, you know, position the right way. That's a heck of a lot more expensive than $300 a month for somebody to make sure this is, is being done right. Exactly, man. Exactly. 
or having your I mean imagine having a major loss you know it's this we see here in California a lot of uh, the middle market general liability carriers are asking for copies of these guys subagreements before they even bind coverage so they want to see that they have the right language and it's crazy man like it's actually scary how many generals don't even use a subcontractor agreement I mean it is flat out scary I mean these guys are in the business of contracting you know they humble they hold a contract with their client yet they're letting these subs come on their jobs with zero risk zero risk to the sub and think that when they get sued by their client that their policy is going to indemnify them for all the work the sub you know screwed up on it's it's, it's actually scary but this is an opportunity for us again in the independent channel to educate these people because when they go buy a policy on Next Insurance or on uh, Hiscox.com or wherever they're going, no one's going to tell them what's in the policy and, and what they need to do to protect themselves to make sure yeah. the coverage triggers when they need it. You know, the same like you said, Dave, same for the work comp. You go buy these, these guys go buy a policy directly from Pi, and then an audit comes, and they're wondering why all that cash or check labor they paid out is, is being picked up at audit yeah. and why they have an exposure to those guys. Well, guess what, man? If those guys get hurt on your job, you're you're liable, and so is the carrier. So this is this is where we need to educate people, and this is where we need to be better as a group, so that we're not losing business to these channels that aren't doing anyone any favors. Besides, like you said before, price, price, price. You know. You know what? That's a great place for those people to go if that's what they want and they want to buy price. Let them go see what they get for price. Exactly. And I think something we miss out on too is I read a lot in our conversations that we post, even on IAOA, that when someone goes to that channel and buys a policy, like you just said, on price, that doesn't mean that we're eliminated from the opportunity to, to recapture those clients in the future. You know, people think that automatically, okay, that client's, we lost that client forever. That's not the case. Those clients are still in the life cycle and still in the opportunity cycle of us landing on their on their desk and then buying policies from us. If we educate them properly, if we show them the value of using an independent broker, someone who they have to pay for their service, it might be more expensive, is going to be more expensive, but th- but this is what we're going to do for you that buying online is not going to do for you. You know, people think that they're totally out of our our realm, but it's not that's not true. I mean, they're they're going to be these people are going to be looking for better options once they realize that those online services are not not out for their best interest. You know, they're out. It's all based on a commodity, just like uh, Geico and, uh, you know, insurance. I think they almost have to get, you know, not screwed over, but they have to have something happen for them to for them to realize that sometimes, you know, a hundred percent, man. They are, it's like exactly they have to whether it's an it's got to be a pain point. Yeah, you know, it's got to be a pain point. Something like Dave said before. Yeah, I have a theory, man. That if I wanted to get anybody anybody's attention, construction specifically, though, all I have to do is mention audits or certificates. <laughs> I've got a ninety percent chance that I'm that person's going to come unglued because I know that they have gotten ticked off because they've either had a big audit, which should, by the way, never be a surprise. You know exactly. what the rate is on the policy when it's issued, right? The, exactly. Why, why are you shocked? If you didn't want to have an audit, you shouldn't have projected 10000 in payroll. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But the exactly. other thing, 
certificates is the other one. And the fact that it takes 24, 48, 30, you know, whatever, however many hours to get a certificate issued. I know that I can, if I want to write that piece of business, I can mention those two things and the deck is severely stacked in my favor that I'm going to get them fired up and ready to talk. No, oh, I love that. What's your payroll? Oh, uh, 80,000. Okay. How many employees you got? I got, Hey man. And you know what? Even aside from, like, from what? contractors, I think that holds true for any industry. It is. It is. You know, you know, it, it, I mean, I don't know. You said before, you don't maybe not have too many restaurants on your books, but I mean, those guys, their margins are so tight that an audit that they weren't expecting or didn't know about or understand why. I mean, that could, heavily dig into their profits right uh you know any industry really i mean you know manufacturing uh hospitality retail wholesale they're all looking at their bottom line and anytime they have a surprise you know well yeah I mean, so like for us if i've got an account where it looks like they're growing at a reasonable rate or that they could be a little bit light on their payroll. Look, I'm a big fan of people not being proud proud of their business when they're putting coverage in place the first time. Like, but it's got to be reasonable. It's got to be reasonable. But you can't sit yeah. here and tell me you're opening and you have no experience in this industry and you're going to have a million in payroll your first year. Like, I'm probably not going to buy that. I'm going to say, what do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going to spend in payroll? We will start with that number, and then every quarter we will look at it. And if we need to adjust, we'll adjust. Or you're going to know how much money you need to have. So if you want to let it ride to audit, you can let it ride to audit. But just be prepared to know you're going to have to pay a check for that. Then they're going to adjust next policy period by the amount that your audit was because they're going to make it go up again. We just do a spreadsheet, man. Dude, there's the value add, though, dude, right? I mean – there's the value add, man. Keeping them on track. I go into Excel, create a very simple spreadsheet with easy formulas. All they have to do is key in sales or payroll, whatever it is. It's going to tell them what their insurance cost was. And if it looks like it's higher than it was going to be or much, much lower, then we need to have a conversation. The other thing is if it comes into play where they're actually bidding jobs and things and insurance cost becomes relevant, they have a rough idea what the costs are going to be before they enter their bid. Dude, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, how, how hard are these people, you know, they go into bidding a job and not even knowing their costs, you know, then they, then they do a million dollar job at what they thought their cost was for a $300,000 grocery receipts policy. And another thing they don't know is I try to tell them, look, man, like you're hurting yourself by under projecting because of the rate on the policy. You know, you're going to get a better net rate, not just on cop, but on, on any form of insurance when you buy more of it. You know, when you have higher sales or higher payrolls, your your rate's going to be better. So now when you go into that project, that's a $2 million job. You actually know exactly what your insurance costs are to put into that project cost. And you're not going to be surprised by it at a 25% higher rate when the audit comes around. But like you said, man, things like that, that's a, a huge value add. And we do it by automation. You know, we have, you know, we have trigger set points in our, in our management system. And contractors, always a different campaign than everyone else. Just because they have, I don't know about in Florida, but in California, there's more requirements of an audit. You have to have timesheets. You have to disclose what type of trades. You know, there's 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 dual wage thresholds here, so it gets a little more complex. But they get into a we get in, they get into a campaign, and contractors have a six step campaign. Everyone else has a three step campaign. But you know, we're tracking them where they are, like you said, and where they're going, just to make sure. Hey, 
think about it. Like, what did you project? What's your rate on your policy? And do we need to adjust midterm so that you don't have a huge audit at the end of the policy? But that's something that these direct writers or, you know, agents that don't, that don't know what they're doing, they don't, they don't do that kind of thing for their customers, right? And it's a simple explanation, too. It is. It's all in front of their faces, man. There's nothing I, hidden here. I think one of my favorites is I had a guy who's not, not in business now, which is obvious because of what I'm getting ready to tell you. But, mm-hmm. you know, he – I'm not – look, I, I really don't do a lot of construction stuff. I deal with contractors, but the contractors I deal with are service contractors. I yeah. like business consumer, HVAC plumbers, electricians, because I know the mod has a chance to be higher than one. I know they've got good vehicles in their fleet and all of that stuff. It just, it fits with what we do. But I had a guy that was a a, a typically residential HVAC contractor, but he started moving his way into commercial and he was like, he needed to qualify for this proposal and his mod was still above a one we had brought it down since he engaged with us, but he needed me to put together a letter to explain yep. to the person that he was bidding to. I mean, again, here we go. Words of the day, value add, right? We didn't, Pi is not going to do this for anybody. I sat down, made the business case, showed the issues that, that had happened, why one of the claims had been mishandled and shouldn't have been the way it was, the impact on the mod, all of the programs we'd put in place, blah, 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 blah. But I look at the bid and I wrote back to him and I'm like, look, man, I don't know a thing at all about bidding HVAC, but it looks like this is really thin. Like, it doesn't look like you've got a lot of margin in this. What happens? He's like, oh yeah, no, that's not how it works with this stuff. You have to go in. And, and do what you need to do to win the deal. And then you make it up on your change orders over time. And I'm like, what happens if you don't have change orders over time? Like I just started freaking out, but like this guy's whole premise of making money in commercial instruction construction was bid it thin, have change orders. It's crazy. Crazy. I think, so a lot, you, I think that's, I think that's the game. A lot of them play though, man. You started talking about automation. What systems are you using in the agency? From an automation, I know you have Zywave, but I mean, are you using a full blown CRM, or are you just doing things inside of your AMS? Man, we we actually have too many. So, okay, <laughs> so we have uh, we have a lot of automation. So, our sales automate. We have pipe pipe drive. We, Epic is our is our AMS. Pipe drive is our CRM. Pipe drive sits on top of Infusionsoft, which. We have automation in – I have about seven or eight uh, campaigns or pipelines for sales. I have four or five pipelines for service. I have a couple pipelines for renewal. Every single process is automated on the front end and the back end. The automation I was talking about was actually agency revolution triggers off of our CRM. Um Speaking of that, Applied is actually coming out with their own type of uh, uh, automation marketing platform that's probably going – I shouldn't say this here, but should I say this here? Because you can speak because I'm getting ready to give you some good advice. <laughs> so it's – yeah, so it's uh, it's going to replace Agency Revolution. So here's um, the thing. This is what I would tell you. If you've not looked at it yet, you should look at the Salesforce integration with Epic. 
I don't really? have Epic. Yeah, I don't have Epic. We do. We use Hawksoft for our agency management system. I'm sure they're great. We really don't use the agency management system for much of anything other than accounting. And if we have to do ENS stuff, um, I mean, obviously downloads and all of that stuff. Yeah, search everything. Yeah. Agency off a of HubSpot, and you know HubSpot? that's yeah, that's on par with Infusionsoft or whatever else. But my buddy Josh Gurley, um, you should hook up with him and talk to them as they go through this process. But they're they're going to be live. I think later this week fully with Epic and with um, with the Salesforce integration and the two way data communication back and forth is huge because there's no redundancy in terms of how it feeds from one to the other. My problem with Hawksoft is that their API is not open. So to put something into HubSpot, we have to turn around and put it into Hawksoft too. Right. That's why just wait for the download to hit and then we go in and clean up the data at that point if i had a way for those two to talk it would be absolutely beautiful but from everything i'm seeing you know that hubspot or the uh, salesforce integration with epic and then you throw pardot on top of that for some of the marketing automations and things it's slick man it, it's definitely going to be a game changer is it oh, thanks man i'm going to look into that it would be worth I, like looking you at say, you've got enough yeah. you've got enough systems from listening to you talk it's not going to hurt you to look at one more but you'll be able to yeah. <laughs> you'll be able to sure wipe so. out you, you might be able to wipe out some stuff that you have some redundancy in you know i i look at like infusionsoft hubspot salesforce i don't really think there's anybody else that would match what those three do from a CR. I mean, those are like 800 pound gorillas of CRMs. The average agency out there is never going to invest in that kind of a CRM, partially because agents tend to be cheap and they don't realize that you have to invest some money to save some money, you know, in, yeah, if you have the right technology Mm. in place to replace more bodies than you can imagine. But number two, you know, I think that the 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 next level down, and I mean no disrespect by saying that they're the next level down, but if you look at like the insured minds, better agency, and some of these that are that are ramping up and they're coming out more out of the box, ready to use, easy integration, and they're getting the integrations with the different agency management systems and things. I think that that's that's made it to where a lot of agencies can can get their toe into the water. Heck without yeah, having, having to spend a ton, right? I think and not the just that, can, the time too to build. It seems like yeah. they're just coming right out of the box with pre-built campaigns and click, plug and play, you know? Yeah, and I, I look at what we've spent, I mean, well into six figures on HubSpot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, at this point, there's no reason for me to leave. Like, I, there's nothing that is going to exactly. pry me out of HubSpot at this point. It's just, it, it's not going to you know, our close yep. rates are good. Our retention is good. And so anytime I look at some sort of technology that I'm going to add to the agency, I need to understand what it's going to do to improve my life. Well, if we close 99% of what we go after, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be cocky or arrogant. I just can't improve. I can, I can improve by 1%. So why would I trash everything that I've done and am currently doing to chase another shiny object when this one obviously works. And oh, by the way, I'm only operating at like 20% of what HubSpot's capable of doing. I mean, that's what's crazy is when I look at it and think, good God, where am I going to be five years from now? 
you know, it, it's nuts. But I, I think that, you know, with the le- with, with where technology and development is going, agencies that otherwise wouldn't be able to afford, but more importantly, probably wouldn't be willing to spend the money to put that automation in are now getting a taste of it. And it's hilarious because they're like raving fans. All of, all of a sudden, they've seen the light. There's this technology out there that does all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I've been telling you guys yeah. this four years now what are you talking about it's crazy man i don't know why i mean to me it's an absolute no-brainer and i think you said it before we started recording but it was like a switch of a button for us it actually it wasn't even a switch of a button it was a car ride from our office to our houses to work to work virtually and you know when when we had to shut down and literally we didn't miss a single beat on any communication with our customers any communication internally, you know, any of our efficiency or productivity, because we have the systems in place and because they're so detailed, you know, I mean, we just, it was like nothing happened. You know, it it was just work here and not there. I mean, it was that simple, but I'm always, like you said, I mean, I'm always looking for ways to improve. Now I've put so much time, resources and money into building our current automation it sequence. makes it so tough, man. It makes it so tough to leave it. Or it makes it so that. tough, dude. And it's so dialed in. And like my team is, they they know how to use it like the back of their hands. You know, and I, I know that we can save some keystrokes. Uh, I know that we could probably improve our efficiency, you know, on each, on each processing that we do. But then it's like, man, do I want to start over again? And do I want to scrap everything I've done to get to this point? Like you said, you know, but it's I'm always, I always like to look and see what's out there. I would. So t- talk to me about this. How much does Infusionsoft integrate with Salesforce right now? Does that stuff talk to each other? With Salesforce? I, I don't oh, know. Salesforce, but, uh, Pipe drive. Epic. Epic. Oh, Epic. Oh, no, not at all, man. Okay. Zero. In fact, man, Epic doesn't, you know, they don't, they, they talk, but they don't talk. You know, they like to say that they talk, but, you know, just to put my blue, you guys, have you guys heard of Blue C or Blue Butler? It's like a call, it's a call recording. uh, uh, It basically enables a pop-up when a call comes in to, and it records and it automatically creates activities in Epic when a customer calls in. But I mean, just to get that in play. You know, first of all, you got to buy the SDK licensing. Then you got to go through their process. Then you got to the two need to. T- it's just, it's not real user friendly. So really, I look at it like you said about Hawksoft. We really don't use Epic for much more than all of our backend surfacing, and then uh, accounting. I mean, it's huge for accounting, downloading, you know, putting policies in, tracking that in that sense. But even like our cancellation automations, our audit automations, our claims automations. We we put that all through the outside systems. We don't even use Epic for any of that. I mean, we activity yeah. all that stuff in there, but we kind of work it outside of the AMS. Here's the other interesting thing that I that I found out um, because I called them while the guys from Hunt Miller were here because we were setting up. They they have no automation in place right now, and so they wanted to pick my brain on different automations. I, listen, number one, not an automation guy. Great idea guy, 
but I pay the automation guy. I just take my idea and say, go do this. And that works out so much better than me trying to figure it out on my own. But um, if you already have the SDK with Epic, the other thing I want to let you know is that they have a Zywave integration with account management center and other things. If you're not already using it. We we're just now getting that live. It's taking some time because of the, there's some issue with the two way duplication of, of clients, whatever it was, but cause we had so many in there already that, but anyway, yes, thank you for mentioning. We, we should be live with that in the next week or two. That's been about a three month process of getting that dialed in. Oh God. That's painful. Well, I'm going to tell you something, man. Like, so Epic was real hesitant <laughs> to allow the integration to happen because they see Zywave as a competitor with this new pro with this new platform they're coming out with. Because the new platform they're coming out with is a, is a marketing tool, but it's also a risk management portal. And they use kind of the risk management and, and all that information, all that content to market. So I had to like, I had to tell them, look, you, you guys got, I mean, it's going to happen. You can't stop me from doing the integration type of thing. But it's, it's funny, man, how integrations work, you know? Yep. So listen, we're coming up on an hour. Before we wrap up, I want you to talk a little bit about your podcast you're getting ready to start. <laughs> yeah, man. Th- thank you for your advice. I-, I mean, I have zero clue what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> we're we're still kind of in the in the startup stages, but it's gonna basically we're gonna uh, we want to invite clients across all industries to speak about their businesses. It's kind of gonna be the team. It's a, it's a team themed podcast where you know our, our whole our 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 whole kind of uh the way we we market our agency is as a team you know we're part of their team we like to insert ourselves into people's businesses as being on their team you know because they can rely on us for all the insurance you know all the risk management whatever it is but so we're going to kind of on that theme take it out to a podcast where we're allowing them to talk about themselves, how they got into the business, where their success and some of their failures have lied, and then also allow them to promote their business and help people who are trying to start businesses maybe listen to people that have had success in, in growing and establishing themselves. But, you know, I don't want to just be – I know podcasting is, is becoming more and more popular. <laughs> so, like, I don't want to be, you know, the guy who just – saw it as a trend. I really wanted to, to, to make a difference for people. So I'm going to take it slow before I start it up and, and really try to do it the right way. You know? So my, I'm going to give you some advice. First off, listen to the episode that we dropped last Wednesday with Bradley flowers from insurance guys, because yes. he and I go back and forth about some of the benefits of podcasting. But number two, don't limit your, uh, guests to your clients man get your prospects on there too yeah man for sure yes 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 my thing is we are going to my yeah my thing is if i call somebody up and say hey i'm david i'd love to talk to you about your insurance program or your insurance and risk management or i'd love to come in and do a total cost of risk calculation for you they're gonna laugh me out of their office but if i call and say hey i'm david and i own the uh, bay area business leaders podcast maybe you've heard of it babble um, we um, put business owners and decision makers from around the Tampa Bay area on our show for 30 minutes to sort of talk about 
you know, who they are, where they came from, how they built their company, blah, 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 blah. Here's what happens. You completely remove all of the crap you go through in a first appointment because you've already established your relationship with this person in 30 minutes, hour, whatever it is that you want to talk to them. The second thing is you guarantee they're going to take your call. Like they know who you are now. If you want to, if you want to talk to them, you can pick up the phone and call them and you can get their ear. You don't need to get into insurance. You don't need to get into risk management. I will ask one question on that podcast. And that is, is the leader of an organization, what keeps you awake at night? That's it. Otherwise, let them talk about themselves. Give them advertising. Build oh, the they audience. love it, man. And who likes yeah. talking about themselves more than, than business owners, right? Exactly. No, <laughs> I mean, seriously. seriously, though, they do. I mean, they're proud of it. They, they like to talk about it. You know, they like to, they like to be heard. But yes, yes, that is. Thank you. Prospects are part are going to be part of our uh, target our target guests. And so it's listen, so true. I'm interested. What other Zywave products are you using besides MyWave Connect or Client Portal? So we use Broker Briefcase. Uh, we use uh, Mod. Uh, what the heck's the name of it? Modmaster. Modmaster. We use ModMaster. I love ModMaster, by the way. You know, I use it for prospects too. And I obviously with ModMaster, you have to have a certain amount of data to make it make sense. But you can also, you know, you can push out. You can basically, you can, I don't know how the mods work in Florida, but in California, I, I know the formula for mods. And I can kind of show them that if they have the right risk management protocols, safety protocols, and they limit, they eliminate their losses where their mod could be in a year, where their mod could be in two years by replacing some of those big losses on their, on their, on their report. I'm sure you do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. We do a lot, a lot. And I'll use it where I'll go into a prospect and have two different mod master reports, one as it should be. And then the other one, if they've got low dollar indemnity claims, I'll pull them out, class them medical only to show them yep. the advantage of the split point. Cause most people have never even heard of it. Yeah, when you go and talk to them, it's huge, dude. And I'll ask people like on a, you know, I'll, I like to see people with some losses on their comp, but I'll ask them. I'll say, hey, you know, what did your broker done to show you where you can start to really manage your mod and help you control that, and how much savings you can have by by lowering your mod from a one point three to a one point one, or even to a point nine or point eight? Oh, I don't even know what that is. I mean, these people don't even know what the mod is. I mean, this is right. a huge <laughs> cost to their business. And they don't know what a mod is, but yeah, I, we use my edge. They just can't, they just bought my edge. I mm-hmm. personally don't use it as much for prospecting as my producers do, but they seem to really like the data they can get from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we use, uh, we also use the uh, HR 360 or they just rebranded it for the, not HR, is it HR 360 they call it now? It's, it's all the trainings and seminars. Uh, the and stuff. Learning management system. What, what the LMS. The, oh, that's it. LMS. So that was huge for us when the new sexual harassment training laws came around uh, in California, where every employer had to had to provide an hour for employees and two hours for supervisors on, on sexual harassment training. I mean, mm. we just we marketed with it and we we gave any clients, we gave it to them. We basically allowed them to use it and create their own certifications. And then it was all stored right in our database. They loved it. And then they asked, they started asking, what other uh, learnings 
platforms or seminars can you offer? And that's when we sold them. We started selling them the products, you know, mm. you know, you sell them a subscri- subscription to that too. I mean, I think in our first year with Zywave, we tripled the revenue with our spend. Wow. Yeah. We had a, we had about a $15,000 spend. This keeps going up. We had a $15,000 spend the first year and we brought in almost 40 to 45,000 in revenue from Zywave products. Daddy, daddy likey. <laughs> daddy likey, man. It's good stuff, right? Yeah, that is good stuff. Well, listen, man, we got to wrap up because I've got to jump on another call. I wanted to have everybody um, learn how to get a hold of you, though. People may have some questions. You got some slick ideas, man, and it's good to talk to you and hear how people are doing things on the exact other side of the world from us. But uh, tell them how they can find you. Yeah, brother, uh, call me. My direct dial at my office is 858-384-1507. Text me on my cell. You can also text me at my office. Uh, email me, Mike at foagency.com. Hit me up on Facebook Messenger. That's what I do with David when I have a question about his. Uh, there you go. All the cool things he's doing. I'll hit him up on there. But yeah, guys, hit me up. I mean, I love talking to anyone in our industry. I love the people that are involved in this business. There's some really good stuff out there. We just got to, I think, as a team, separate ourselves from from what's going on on the general industry level. Agreed. Agreed. Well, listen, man, I'm going to let you run. Thank you so much for taking time to spend with us. I'll make sure Kyle doesn't dominate the conversation next time we have you on. Oh, wait, is uh, Kyle still there, man? (laughs) There, dude. Oh, there he is. (laughs) I I appreciate you taking the time to chat, Mike. Thank you guys for having me, man. You guys are awesome. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. All right, see ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.